Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Israel continues its advance and has taken the north of Gaza, but as is being reported, there are going to be pauses. I'm bothered, but this is Israel's war to fight, not mine. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. That's the number that's how you get to be a part of the show. Uh, As was reported just a little bit ago, Israel is going to begin four-hour pauses in Gaza, but the north of Gaza, giving a three-hour warning. Allow civilians to leave, get humanitarian assistance, they're going to bring fuel in, all of which will be stolen by Hamas and used to attack Israel. And the missiles from Hamas will still land in Israel while this is going on. And the Jew-hating bigots like Rashida Tlaib and Cori Bush and Ilhan Omar and Akasi Cortez and Andre Carson, Jamal Bowman, and the rest, they'll claim that Israel isn't doing enough. That's what's going to happen. Put it down. That's my marker. Just put it down. Bloop. Like on 23 Rouge. Not much of a roulette guy, but if I was, I'd bet it all on 23 Rouge. That would be my number. That would be it. Uh, That's what's going to go on. That's what's going to happen. Guaranteed or your money back. Hold on. You don't pay for this? This radio is free? What am I, crazy? I don't like the pause thing at all. We don't like the pause. Uh, John Kirby, National Security Council spokesman, saying, we've been told by the Israelis that there will be no military operations in these areas over the duration of the pause and that this process is starting today. It's a step in the right direction. A step in the right direction would be the United States agrees that every Hamas member needs to die and that's how everything will get better. Because if Hamas was gone, everything would be better. But if everybody in Hamas wants to get on a plane and go back to Iran, maybe we won't shoot it down. Take your chances. Everything would be better if Hamas was gone. Everything would be better if Hamas was gone. The people of Gaza would lead better lives. The people of Israel would lead better lives. There would be opportunities for two-state solutions. Remember, for for just the sake of clarity. uh, Well, I'm sorry. Did I just say the word clarity and it just came out? Clarity. Uh, I'm fine with the idea of negotiating a two-state solution if I'm actually negotiating with people who don't want me dead. But I'm not listening to anybody tell me about two-state solutions when you're negotiating with Hamas who wants you dead. Not only wants Israel gone, but wants Jews dead. Now, Hamas, Harvard, it sounds alike, but in this case, I meant Hamas. Uh, That's not somebody that you negotiate with. They have to go. Why aren't people like Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar uh, a shoulder to shoulder on that subject? I'll I'll get into that. We'll get to that later. The pauses will be seen as a win for Joe Biden. I don't care about Joe Biden's wins. I care about what is best for America. I'm an American. The fact that I'm Jewish doesn't change that. I don't own a dual loyalty issue. I understand the importance of Israel. 
I want Israel to exist, and to the extent that I recognize that Israel is the escape hatch, is the only place to go when all is lost, trust me, I get it. Now, maybe that people don't view it that way or have never thought about it that way. I I will tell you that in my entirety, my entire life, that is always the way I've thought of it. Never forget who I am. Never forget my country. I'm an American. I have no dual loyalties. But am I aware that my life is better with Israel in it? Yes, I am. And I am committed to the idea of it not disappearing on my watch. Committed to this idea. That's why I describe myself without any type of hesitation as a Zionist. Israel has the right to exist and Israel has the right to defend itself. And there are people now who who put up these signs. uh, Anti-Zionism is not anti-Semitism. Does it matter that you put up a sign, kitten? Facts are facts. Yes, it is. The people screaming anti-Zionism aren't talking about just getting rid of Israel. That's not factual. So we can put that one to bed. But going back to what is happening here with these pauses, I don't know. I don't like the fact that it's being characterized by the White House as a significant first step. I don't like the fact that the uh, pressure is upon Israel to do this, to do that, to do the other. And there is no pressure from the political left on Hamas at all. At all. I'm, I am not pleased with with what I'm seeing. I'm not. I am concerned that this leads to bad things. I am concerned that I cannot fathom the pressure that would bring this about. And I'm concerned that I might not be able to see around all the corners that they are looking at to see how this might play in their favor. What does Israel win? Well, it proves that Hamas can't be trusted. We already know that. I don't need to show that anymore. Am I right or am I wrong? Just if we can double check this. Wasn't there a ceasefire in place on October 7th? I swear, I've read so much. Like you have, go through so many things. Some things kind of merge together. Wasn't there a ceasefire already on October 7th when uh, Hamas just decided to uh, airlift in and murder 1,400 And what is this story about the AP reporters? Because I will admit, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit vexed. Follow me on this. The story goes that AP, the Associated Press Press and Reuters, their pictures of what Hamas did to Israelis leads to the recognition that reporters for the Associated Press and Reuters were embedded with Hamas and knew the attack was going to happen. If you take a look at the photos, if you take a look, you're like, man, we got stuff out quick. No. There are four names that appear on the Associated Press's 
uh, uh, photo credits for the uh, area on October 7th. They had pictures right from the beginning. Palestinians from Gaza entering a kibbutz. A guy, one of these reporters, standing in front of a tank, an Israeli tank that got hit by rocket fire. He's not wearing a helmet. He's not wearing one of those vests. You see them everywhere. They're wearing the vest that says press. Sometimes it says media, but usually it says press. He's not wearing that. The tweet read in, in Arabic, live from inside the Gaza Strip settlements. So these reporters knew of the attack, were embedded with Hamas, and were part of the the group engaging in the killing. One of those reporters, Hassan Azlaya, who is there pictured in front of the tank, is also pictured uh, in a photo with one consider could could uh, assume as a friend, giving him a kiss on the cheek. That guy giving him the kiss? I believe I pronounce it Yaya, Sinwar, a leader of Hamas. He gets to work for the Associated Press. He knew an attack was coming. He might have very well been a part of the attack. He gets to put the pictures up and say, look at this, and he's a friend of Hamas. Now, does he work for the Associated Press on the regular? Or was he just there? He had all these photos. So therefore, the Associated Press said, hey, this is great. We could use this. Thanks. It would be one thing if these reporters were documenting a war crime. And this is where the vexing part is. Because I could get that there are people there, you know, in in, in this capacity. Yes, this horror is happening, but they didn't commit the horror. They are documenting it. And there is a reason for the documentation. There's a reason that the journalist exists and being outside of it to share the story of it for historical purposes has a value. That doesn't seem to be the case here. The case here seems to be that the AP said, Oh, you've got photos? Yeah, we're bloodthirsty. Awesome. Dang. Was this part of uh, the, 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 the plan? Was this part of, of, of the thinking? The Associated Press denied any advanced knowledge of the attack. The quote, the Associated Press had no knowledge of the October 7 attack before they happened. The role of the AP is to gather information on breaking news events around the world, wherever they happen, even when those events are horrific and cause mass casualties. AP uses images taken by freelancers around the world, including in Gaza. But they also have decided to cut ties with this... Uh, a freelance reporter for the Associated Press. If we are going to translate and be grown-ups here, we would say, holy cow. Hamas terrorists 
took pictures of the atrocities and then sold them to the AP for a profit. I guess I'm no longer vexed. <laughs> that that seems to be all good now. There's nothing vexing anymore. Holy cow. Reuters also denying that it had prior knowledge of the October 7th Hamas attack on Israel or that it embedded journalists with Hamas. It's some pretty interesting reporting. We've got it over on the show sheet at TonyKatz.com. When you're a part of what we do over there, you get that on the daily, what we're going to talk about on the show. Man, oh man. It's an ugly world. Ugly world. It could be a lot better world if Hamas would just stop being murderous bastards and people like Rashida Tlaib would say, hey, stop being murderous bastards. But she doesn't do that. And uh, her Jew-hating cronies don't do that. And things continue to be bad. But Israel has instituted a four-hour-a-day pause. We'll see how that goes. This is Tony Katz today. To be clear, would you reimpose the sanctions? Yes, absolutely. Ambassador Haley, what would your approach be? You know, I stood on the Simon Bolivar Bridge and watched thousands of Venezuelans cross in the, for hours in the hot sun holding their babies to get the one meal they might get that day going from Venezuela to Colombia. They were fleeing socialism and begging for freedom. We need to make sure that we do everything we can to sanction Maduro. We shouldn't be getting dirty oil. And Biden just gave 500,000 Venezuelans temporary priority status, which is just going to have more of them come. But on the energy side, it cracks me up that Ron continues to do this. He has opposed fracking. He's opposed drilling. Last time he said it wasn't true. And everybody found out that it was true. He opposed it before Florida voters even voted on it. He was praised by the Sierra Club. And you're trying to make up for it and act like you weren't you weren't a liberal when it comes to the environment. You were. You always have been. Just own it well, if that's the case. But don't keep saying you're something that you're not. Let me respond to that. Um, so uh, our whole energy plan, you can't get the shale without fracking. We are absolutely going to frack. But I disagree with Nikki Haley. I don't think it's a good idea to drill in the Florida Everglades. And I know most Floridians agree with me. You banned right. fracking. Thank you very much, Lester. Just as a a matter of of presentation, I don't know why when they're talking to each other, they don't look at each other. I don't know why they smile and look straight ahead. Has anybody been able to show conclusively in a debate that that brings value? Like, if you're ready to go on, you're going to look at the, at the camera first, but you also look at the person, and you know, you're, okay, I, you're, you're talking crazy, I'm going to ignore you. But the whole time, I don't know, it just, it strikes me as odd, and there were a couple things that struck me as odd from the debate uh, yesterday, uh, and if you think yesterday was, um, when it, it's all over, oh, no, 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 it's, it's just getting started, Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. Also, we should note in that exchange, Ron DeSantis got the better of Nikki Haley. 
And I think there were a couple of moments where that happened, and I'll, and I'll get into it. I think one of the bigger stories is that the subpoenas are out. James Comer issuing subpoenas for the Biden family. Hunter Biden, the brother of Joe Biden, James Biden, a family uh, associate, this one, that one, the other one. I'm very curious, A, to see who cracks, but B, I'm very curious how independents and moderates see this scene. I know how the political left sees it. That part is inconsequential. How do independents and moderates see it? Do we believe in a rule of law or not? Do we believe that when you have evidence, you should follow it or not? You don't have anything. It was $40,000 was just paying back a loan. You, somebody put something on a memo and all of a sudden that's, that's it? That's the answer? Silliness. The House Oversight Committee has followed the money, according to Comer, and built a record of evidence revealing how Joe Biden knew, was involved, and benefited from his family's influence peddling schemes. Now the House Oversight Committee is going to bring in members of the Biden family and their associates to question them on this record of evidence. It was the Speaker, Mike Johnson, who stated that a decision on impeachment will be coming soon. Okay. It's going to be coming soon. If, if, if you say so, okay. I said you don't have to rush anything. You only bring uh, an impeachment if you've got it. Don't rush anything. But then you realize that, you know, it's um, it's uh, November in 2023. If you're going to do something, you're going to have to very well do it soon. I, If you ask me whether or not I want to impeach Joe Biden because I'm into retribution, I am not. If you tell me that Joe Biden should be impeached because it clearly shows he took bribes, then absolutely. But I am much more interested in the impeachment inquiry because I am interested in getting the information out to the American people. I want them to see. I want to see whether or not Americans react to the, the, the money, to the conversations, to the text messages, to the relationship with China and Ukraine. I'm curious as to whether or not the left stranglehold on certain subjects means a stranglehold on all subjects. The abortion conversation, that's a stranglehold, kitten. Stranglehold. For sure, for sure. But I want to know if, if America, seeing data, can go, oh, dang. I, maybe I'm rosy, you know? Maybe I'm just a, maybe it's, it's, it's my own desire for naivete. I think they can. You just got to show it to them clearly. That's what you got to do. I have no problem with these subpoenas. I believe there's enough there, certainly for that. 
Let it commence. Oh, and don't worry about what Hakeem Jeffries or anybody from MSNBC says. Keep going. As long as you've got the data to support it. This is Tony Katz today. This country is in trouble, and the elites that have put us here, they don't care about you. They don't care that you're having to grapple with higher grocery prices or have higher gas prices. They don't care that your family's less secure because of the open border that's allowed drugs and even terrorists to come into this country. Well, I care. I am not going to sit idly by and let this country continue its downward spiral. We need leadership, and we need it now. I'll take the hits. I'll take the arrows. I'll take the slings. Because ultimately, it's not about me. It's about you. I will fight for you. I will make sure to lead this country's revival, and I will win for you and your family. Actions speak louder than words. We don't have time for excuses, and it's not something that we're going to be able to have all these distractions. As a veteran, I will get the job done. Now, if you look where we are now, it's a lot different than we were in 2016. And Donald Trump's a lot different guy than he was in 2016. He owes it to you to be on this stage and explain why he should get another chance. He should explain why he didn't have Mexico pay for the border wall. He should explain why he racked up so much debt. He should explain why he didn't drain the swamp. And he said Republicans were going to get tired of winning. Well, we saw last night, I'm sick of Republicans losing. In Florida, I showed how it's done. One year ago here, we won a historic victory, including a massive landslide right here in Miami-Dade County. That's how we have to do it. So I promise you this, as the nominee, next November I'll get the job done and as president i will deliver let me turn one of the very few moments donald trump's name came up in the debate last night tony katz tony katz today 833-468-8669-833 got tony who do you think won let me know uh give me a call uh on the twitter x at tony katz or of course tony at tony katz.com it's hard to think that there's a winner when trump's not on the stage And it's hard to think that anybody could be a winner if they weren't going to bring up Trump. I was floored at how no conversation existed. There was that from Ron DeSantis. And then there was uh, a, a quick piece at the end of a larger statement from Chris Christie. And in a safer world, American innovation, American hard work has always been the thing that has driven our country to greater things. I'm going to be the president who will do those big things. We're not going to be small, and I'll say this about Donald Trump. Anybody who's going to be spending the next year and a half of their life focusing on keeping themselves out of jail and courtrooms cannot leave this party or this country, and it needs to be said plainly. That was it. They're in a place where they have to have massive, massive disruptions in order to change the status quo because the status quo has Trump up by 30. You got to shake it up, kitten. You have to shake it up. And no one did. No one even tried. And I don't understand why. 
As far as debates go, I thought it was good. I thought the questions were mostly excellent. I'm going to break it down with Noah Rothman of National Review and Kurt Schlichter uh, of Town Hall a little bit later. Questions about the military, questions about abortion, questions about Israel. More on Israel than I actually thought that they would do. There was actual discussion and conversation and philosophy. And then, of course, there was um, just uh, total insanity. But isn't that kind of Avek Ramaswamy's, uh, isn't that kind of uh, his, his thing? That's what he does. Well, I, I, I want to laugh at why Nikki Haley didn't answer your question, which is about looking at families in the eye. In the last debate, she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. The next generation of Americans are using it. And that's actually the point. You have her supporters propping her up. That's fine. Here's the truth. You're just the easy scum. That last line, you're just scum. Uh, I I don't think uh, Vivek understands that this stuff doesn't help him. It doesn't. There's no way anybody would pick Vivek Ramaswamy over Donald Trump. Uh, as a matter of fact, the amount of emails I get just anecdotally that they think that Vivek is a surrogate for Donald Trump is through the roof. I don't actually believe so because I don't think Ramaswamy's ego would allow him to do such a thing. Uh, I, I just don't I just don't see that as the the reality. I see the reality is uh, that he can make a strong statement. He has got this capability and he can move rather quickly on his feet. But he so loves the sound of his own voice. Let me give you an example of a back and forth. This was Ron DeSantis on college campuses being held responsible for the Jew hate that happens. I was the first presidential candidate to say, if you are here on a student visa as a foreign national, you're making common cause with Hamas, I'm canceling your visa and I'm sending you home. No questions asked. Second, I have friends here in Florida who their kids do not feel safe even going to university campus at all outside of the state of Florida. You have Jewish students fleeing for their lives at Cooper Union. Joe Biden should have the Department of Justice on these college campuses and holding the universities accountable for civil rights violations. When you have, you should not have money going to these places. I already acted in Florida. We had a group, Students for Justice of Palestine. They said they are common cause with Hamas. They said we're not just in solidarity. This is what we are. We deactivated them. We're not going to use Tate tax dollars to fund jihad. No way. And what is Biden doing? Not only is he not helping the Jewish students who are being persecuted, he is launching an initiative to combat so-called Islamophobia. No, it's the anti-Semitism that's spiraling out of control. That is what we have to confront. And as president, I can tell you this. We are not going to stand for this on college campuses any longer. So he's talking about taking away the funding, that there is a role for government to play to not allow dollars to flow to people who are going to act like that. Vivek Ramaswamy has a different take.
These kids, they have no idea what the heck they're even talking about when they're siding with Hamas over Israel. They are fools. But I also want to caution here, if we go the direction of Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley, with whom I respectfully disagree on this issue, pro-censorship, telling student groups to disband, mark my words, soon they will say if you question a vaccine and its side effects, you're a bioterrorist. Soon they will say that if you show up at a school board meeting, you're a domestic terrorist. Soon if they say that J6 prisoners should be released, you're an insurrectionist terrorist. So that's where this road ends. We don't quash this with censorship because that creates a worse underbelly. We quell it through leadership by calling it out. These university administrators have lost their way, and we need leadership at the top in the United States of America that restores our founding values and that has no place for this kind of anti-Semitic hate. That's where I stand while respecting our Constitution. Your time is out. Senator Scott, let me get you to weigh in on what you just heard. About leadership is a good conversation. And as I stated, Ramaswamy can hit. He can do it. He's got the skill set. To say otherwise, I think, is is kind of ridiculous. But this is equally kind of ridiculous. The fact of the matter is the Republican Party is not that much better. You have the likes of Nikki Haley, who stepped down from her time at the U.N., bankrupt or in debt, as was her family. Then she becomes a military contractor. She joins the board of Boeing and otherwise, and is now a multimillionaire. So I think that that's wrong when Republicans do it or Democrats do it. That's the choice we face. Do you want a leader from a different generation who's going to put this country first, or do you want Dick Cheney in three-inch heels? All right, Mr. In which case, we've got two of them on stage tonight. People forget the fact that he said, in which case we've got two of them on stage tonight talking about the rumors of, uh, of Ron DeSantis and the lifts in his boots. Like, anybody should care. Ron DeSantis, by the way, if you look at his resume and the things that he's done, you're outrageously impressed. When you hear him, you're like, eh. Things like this from, from Ramaswamy don't help. They don't help. Well, it did for Trump. Stop thinking that you're him. Fight like him. You don't get to campaign like him. It won't work. It won't. It won't work. It can't work. People see right through that. You got to be on the ground. You got to be actually campaigning. You got to actually be out there asking for the vote. And if you'll notice in in uh, Ron DeSantis's clothes, he actually asks for the vote. I'm asking for your vote. I think he's gotten the message that he has taken the position that he's the default, the de facto uh, candidate because Trump won't be able to make it. That ain't true. You got to ask for votes. Uh, Chris Christie in this debate was bad. He was not memorable uh, aside from his conversation regarding the U.S. military, which was a good, good question. Uh, I think Hugh Hewitt brought that up and, and well done. But he's not what you remember. Tim Scott probably had the best debate of his life. And part of it was uh, based on economics. This was an excellent, excellent back and forth. Because Tim Scott is asked about the economy. Scott, I'll start with you. What would you do the moment you take office? to help Americans manage the cost of living. So we're talking about short term here. 
My mother was a single mother who raised me and my brother in a very challenging economic situation. The first thing I can tell you is that when your gas prices are 40 percent higher right now than they were just a little over two years ago, that's not a problem for my mama. That was a crisis. The first thing I would do as President of the United States is I would sign the XL Keystone Pipeline and start seeing resources flow. Second thing I would do is make sure that there's certainty and predictability so that those folks who have the leases in our country would have the certainty and predictability to go ahead and become energy independent. We should focus not just on being energy independent. We should focus on being energy dominant. America is the home to more energy resources than any other country on the planet. We can reduce the price of energy. We can reduce the price of food and the price of electricity if we focus on my build here, don't borrow from China plan that is embedded the made in America strategy creates 10 million new jobs in three different areas. One is innovation. Second is the high-tech manufacturing. And the third is the energy economy. We have an opportunity as Americans to actually export the surplus energy that we create in our nation and disconnect from China and from murderous dictators and tyrants around your, your the world. Time is Solid answer. The base answer, the, 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 the textbook answer, got it. But check out when Lester Holt goes for some pushback. But let me just follow up. The sure. idea of pumping gas, of, of turning on pipelines, that doesn't put, make gas cheaper that day. I'm talking about you become president. What can you do specifically to help people feel better about their situation or be better with their situation? Well, actually, it does, to be honest with you. The way that the economy works is it works on the ability to anticipate excess supply versus the demand. When that happens, confidence drives our prices down because we know there's going to be a greater surplus. When you allow for those who have leases to actually start drilling, to start using those leases for, for more energy excavation, you put our economy in the strongest position. And as a result of that, prices start going down. I didn't see it coming. I mean, I, I like Senator Tim Scott. I, I pay attention. That answer was outstanding. Excellent. And I think people who are listening to it the first time or maybe watching it last night were like, that's really okay. He's got something on the ball. Yet nothing about Trump and nothing about Biden. Nothing about Trump and nothing about Biden. Nothing pointed. Nothing that stuck. And that's true of all of them. You had five people on the stage. You had more opportunity to talk than ever. And you didn't talk about the guy you're running against. Trump for the primary and Biden for the general. You didn't talk about how you're going to win. You didn't talk about how you're going to bring the country with you, about what it is about you that's going to appeal to moderates, that's going to get you over the hump. I think it's a mistake. I think it was a massive, massive miss. And I don't understand how you did that. I don't understand how you got to the idea of a massive miss. question is will they miss again in december because there will be another debate on december 6th it'll be on news nation and the moderator megan kelly which would make me think she's about to get a job on news nation i wonder how upset chris cuomo is 
Megan Kelly is going to moderate with Elizabeth Vargas of News Nation and, uh, oh, the editor of, of Free Beacon, Washington Free Beacon. Does Trump show up to that one? People have argued Trump isn't showing up because he doesn't have to show up because he's so many points ahead. I argue he's not showing up because it might hurt him in uh, his uh, legal issues. I think I'm more correct than the points because he wouldn't worry about, I don't think he would worry about still being ahead. His ego would not allow that. He, he would just be ahead and that would be that. Would be that. that would be the ball game. So he's, but either way you do it, either way you go about it, does there come a moment where he has to show up? If I take a look at the latest New Hampshire poll, he's up by 30 with Haley now at 19% and Trump at 49%. If I take a look at the Iowa poll, the Trafalgar polls, or the latest in Iowa from Trafalgar Group, Trump 44, DeSantis 18, Haley 15. Trump's up by 26 ticking downward, but still a massive number. If I take a look nationally, uh, the newest poll is uh, the TIPP poll. I got to look at the data there. Uh, Trump 60, DeSantis 13, Haley 5. I don't don't know about that. Is Trump going to show up in Alabama? That's the question. And if he does, maybe then they'll actually talk about the elephant in the room. I'm Tony Katz. So Netanyahu is now saying, well, there are no ceasefires without the return of hostages. There are other people saying this idea that Israel is going to take a pause. Maybe not. Maybe no pause. So let us see what we will see, what we will see. Huh. You know, I said I'll, I'll do it. You know, if Israel says what they're going to do, I, I, my faith is in them. But I didn't like it. Turns out we may know what we're talking about. This is Tony Katz today.